This is Talking Urology. Welcome to a Talking Urology conference highlight from ANZUP 2019 in Brisbane, proudly supported by an educational grant from Ipsen. In this ANZUP conference highlight, Ian Davis chats to David Quinn from the Keck School of Medicine USC about some of the trials other than prostate cancer. David discusses the latest research for metastatic kidney cancer and the massive changes we've seen in the first-line treatments. And with these immuno-oncology agents moving to first-line, what does this mean for second-line treatments? And what studies are in the pipeline? Hi, my name's Ian Davis. I'm chair of ANZUP Cancer Trials Group, and I'm speaking to you from the ANZUP Annual Scientific Meeting held in Brisbane in July 2019. And it's a great pleasure today to talk with Professor David Quinn, medical oncologist at the University of Southern California, and an Australian forever, no matter where he lives. So David, great to have you here. Thanks for coming to the meeting. Thank you, Ian. Great to see you and great to be here. David, 2019 has been a really busy year for prostate cancer, and it would be easy to forget that there are other gender-urinary cancers that are of interest to ANZUP and the people watching this video. You've got an interest in kidney cancer, and quite a bit has been happening in that in the last few years, and particularly this year as well. Could you give us your thoughts about where the current state of play is for that? Well, I, I think there's been some uptake of cabozantinib in the first line for intermediate and poor-risk patients, particularly those with bone metastases where cabozantinib seems to have an advantage. So from that perspective, uh, a minor change. But then what came after that was the advent of first-line immunotherapy in the form of Checkmate 214, where we saw nivolumab and ipilimumab produce a response rate and overall survival advantage over sunitinib for, once again, intermediate and poorest patients. So we've had that in the United States for a couple of years. It's now available in most parts of the world, including Australia. And I think it's been a game changer in terms of overall survival for those patients that can tolerate it. So uh, I think that's a big difference. And then the data that's come in 2019 have been with two combinations of VEGF TKIs with immuno-oncology drugs. The biggest impact that we saw was the combination of pembrolizumab with exitinib versus sunitinib, where in a very early analysis at about 12 months follow-up, we saw a, an OS advantage with a, a hazard ratio of 0.53. So a big effect, but in addition, that is also mainly in patients with intermediate and poor risk cancer. And the hazard ratios in the favorable risk, they still overlap one, and they probably won't make me change my practice. About the same time, we saw data from the Javelin study, which once again had sunitinib as a control arm, and compared that therapy to a combination of avelumab, a PDL1 inhibitor, with also exitinib. And it showed a response rate that favored the new experimental combination arm, and also PFS that was heavily in favor of the new combination, but we don't have overall survival yet. Interestingly, in that study, the PFS, including in favorable risk, did favor the new combination of avelumab and exitinib. So we've got some things that are going to question the balance. And of course, on the two newer studies, very brief follow-up, 12 months in one, about 11 months in Javelin, and then a further interim where we don't have a lot of details, and another one to come. So we're going to get more data, but I suspect that these combinations are going to be available in the rest of the world, and they will have turned first-line therapy on its head. So then what do we do? If someone has 
progress through ipilimumab and nivolumab or a TKI and a PD-1 targeted therapy and then progress, what are we going to offer those patients? Well, I think the truth is that if you follow level one evidence, we have no idea. But I think that most of us would look at giving some form of VEGF TKI after nivolumab, ipilimumab. And the two choices there are typically cabozantinib, where we have good level one evidence with overall survival advantage, albeit over Everlimus, from the Meteor trial for using cabozantinib. So cabozantinib might be one answer. And then the other evidence base, which goes right back to the AXIS study, is with exitinib as a single agent, which we have a lot of experience with and maybe one of the better tolerated TKIs. So what becomes more complicated is if you've got a VEGF and uh, IO combination, what do you give after that? Well, you may resort to cabozantinib, but you also may resort to some of the other VEGF TKIs, depending on what you think the tolerability is going to be in those patients. If a patient progresses on IO and VEGF, whether you might give a combination of nivolumab and ipilimumab later, and we're starting to get some data suggests we can see uh, a, a response. A retreatment approach. A retreatment. Yeah. Now, that's expensive outside of most guidelines and is probably not going to meet approval in, say, Australia and New Zealand, at least anytime soon. But I think this is a time when renal cancer therapeutics in terms of what we select and the sequence of our therapy has been turned on its head. We should say for anyone from Australia, at the time we're recording this in July 2019, we can't yet use cabozantinib on our reimbursement scheme straight after ipilimumab, nivolumab. There has to be another TKI in between. So that's not the case in other parts of the world. Well, in that setting, I don't have a problem with people picking something else. And probably my first choice would be exitinib, which I think is available in that setting in Australia, but not in New Zealand, where they have to fund it themselves. Okay. So what do you think is the next big question we should be asking in renal cell carcinoma? I think there's a sequencing question. I think that we need to get longer follow-up on some of these studies. And we're going to see some Me Too studies, if you like. The CLEAR study, which looks at uh, pembrolizumab and lanvatinib, another VEGF-TKI compared to sunitinib, will, will be coming. And also we have combinations of cabozantinib with nivolumab in the first line that I think are going to be interesting. And we'll see whether they can produce the PFS response and overall survival data that we've seen. So we're going to be inundated with data in the first line. I think we have some novel therapies that target, for example, HIF2 and some of the metabolic pathways that are important in renal cell coming, but there's still an early phase two studies at the moment. So to the point where we will have to do a phase three study is, is interesting. And I think we also need to look at some alternatives. So one particular study I think is very, very interesting as one that, that you're running at ANZAP, which is the keypad study, which looks at after initial VEGF TKI, which is still a standard first-line therapy for a large number of patients, giving them pembrolizumab and denosumab, where there's a theoretical advantage of the rank ligand inhibitor in combination with with PD-1 inhibition. So I think that's an important study. So I think the bottom line is while we're learning, we need to keep doing these studies and accruing to them. And ends up a great vehicle for doing that. Thanks, David. So I think that takeaway message that there's still a lot of opportunities, but there's still a lot to learn. And the best way to do that is through clinical trials. So David, thank you very much for your time and for your support of ANZAP. Thank you very much, Ian. Talking Urology at Anzup, proudly supported by Ibsen.